0: Johnny and Frankie. Wrongamboyo. Okay, look at these guns, man. There's Derek. Our interview after the show. Oh, cool. Now look at him, Mike. They
1: really look real. Did yeah, he I mention mean, where? Did he mention where the guns came
0: from? No, he doesn't know. <laughs> I'm ruining that interview. I don't
1: care. All right. Care. Well, yeah. It's all that by now. Speaking of new hats, check out their hats.
0: Yeah, that's a that's an old hat by now. That's 83. He goes, oh, yeah. what's, with, what's the grave digging gear for? Oi, oh, yeah. oi!
1: You see the shallow grave, it doesn't end well. No. Empty lot. Well, that's where they're supposed to meet. Oh, right, the vacant lot. Right. So this is February, so there's no Christmas trees in that lot. Alright, <laughs> Crimbo Trees Holiday oh, special I'm overacting All the way to the end of this film I is <laughs> Oh, there's an ending to this film? Uh-huh cool. This is, it looks, all looks like the uh, Back of the cover of their albums
0: No, I want to Yeah, it looks like Sandinista or it's just like behind a bowling alley or something. Yeah. Uh, a snooker polo. Um, I want to remind you again that, like, okay. when we see a person getting hit by a car, it's real. When okay. Thanks it, for the heads up. Bang, bang. You're shot. That isn't real. Wait, they
1: were underneath the car? Right. now, That's a, that's a crazy stunt.
0: Right. So he really was. They dug out a pit and pulled over his head. Look, he's on the car as it's driving, <laughs> for real, and he fell off.
1: Do not attempt.
0: He's 22 years old and made out of rubber. Now, look, there's real fighting. Now, look, Mick is pinned. He's yeah, pinned. Yeah,
1: I, I could tell from his acting.
0: And Gabby oh. will shoot him.
2: No, no, don't shoot. No. Don't shoot.
1: <laughs> Please,
0: I got one more slow queen now, there's all this smoke. It Was it yeah. a fog machine? Because if not, that means the car is doing that.
1: Yeah. it's carbon monoxide inside the car? I, yeah,
0: I, I can't see that it would be that amount.
1: Don't you think it's the other roadies that smoke and pot in the van?
0: Now, look, she shot our hero, Paul. And why? She's, They're friends. Right now she's going to shoot them? She's oh. laying there dead. Yeah. Gabby has shot everyone. She Gabby. shot three people. Yeah. Now look, kids, kid either, girl, are they passing tobacco or a joint?
1: It could be hashish. It could be.
0: And, look at the carnage. Pepper. You see the carnage? And here comes our blind yeah. guy.
1: That's the end of the story. The end. Thanks for coming. Please just leave the theater for the next showing.
0: Now, why show these kids sharing a cigarette? Why showing kids
1: watching a murder?
0: Right. Oh, it's deep. Now we're back
1: to our dude. Yeah. Look, he's vaping. Yeah. (laughs) This could happen to you. Don't, do, don't steal drugs oh. that's all she oh, wrote wow oh, oh my god you've seen this movie eight times what did you think yeah. uh,
0: I you enjoyed say? this movie because it's really a snapshot in time this is really like the last two seconds before the clash completely fell apart
1: yeah I, I agree, like, we've seen a lot of Rockstar movies, we've seen Given By regards to Broad Street, we've seen uh, the Pet Shop Boys movie, and, you know, I've seen other ones with, uh, this one's probably the best, like, it was really well done, and it wasn't, you know, didn't have to say it's welcome, it was, it was a pretty cool film, and I had to give it for point for mentioning that this film was on YouTube, and uh, it was great that we were able to get the guy to talk to us, and uh, but yeah it was it was good it was worth it i'm
0: but sure the it's way, better with the music it, yeah it was only 16 millimeter in black and white so it's just going to be the quality it's going to be and the lighting was not done in a professional manner at all so you know what i mean like there was budget but it wasn't really spent on like somebody really produce and direct this so But the thing is, it really is Lemberg Grove in the day, and it really is their
1: scene, all those people. So, we are gonna listen to your post-movie interview after uh, we wrap things up. Ladies and gentlemen, I want
0: to introduce a gentleman who appears in this film. Okay, he was a drummer for the Raincoats, a wonderful band. I, I just checked them out on YouTube a lot. They're female fronted. Kurt Cobain has great things to say about him. He was a member of the Soul Vendors with Joe Strummer, uh, with Richard Mole, you know, from the 101ers. They had a regular gig every New Year's Eve in at the Tabernacle in London, Powis Square, I think it's called. Uh, He grew up in West London, lived in France, lived in Trinidad. Now he's a full-time resident in the United States in New York. Let's welcome Derek Goddard. Thank you. All right, Derek, how are you? I'm good. you also did a bunch of work with um, a woman, I cannot pronounce her first name. Or Lena last... Cherry. Yeah. Yeah. The, the internet brags about her being pretty big in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, so
3: she was. Were... I think she was a lot bigger in in England. Uh-huh. You know, she was one of the early hip-hop um,
0: stars at the time, you know? Yeah. Really fashionable. Lots of pictures yeah. of her with Don Letts. Uh, yeah uh, lots of she was a a good-looking charismatic lady yeah Uh, she also played with the slits do you remember (laughs) do you know the
3: slits yes i do absolutely she was also in the slits prior to sort of you know going solo and
0: now you appear in this film and and i thank you for joining us we're going to pick your brain and learn so much about this the first thing i want to know is this came out on The Essential Class, like a 2003 release, which right. is sort of a comp. Did you know the film would be a part of it? Well, it was kind
3: of like, a bit like um, Gabby, um, Joe's former partner. Um, I bumped into her, and she was like, oh, you know, it's out, and blah, blah, blah. And um, she was the one who really informed me.
0: She was heavily involved in the editing of the film. Right, she appears right. in the film. Um, yeah. I think she's still in the UK right now. Uh, I think she's married and working for some sort of holistic company. Uh, right, do you still stay in touch with her? Um, not since I
3: moved to America. I mean, right. I last I last saw her, and it was great. And we, you know, t- we spent about an hour talking about, you know. The old days and this and that and what we've done and stuff she's such a lovely person um but you know i mean i'm i'm a new yorker at the moment you know what i mean so it's especially with the pandemic you know i just i've lost a lot of contact with with people you know absolutely
0: yeah we've all been under that so how was this film discovered i mean i know that the film was the, it was the film stock company. They they went yeah. out of business and erased everything or destroyed it. But this it turned up on some videotape. Do you do you know the story of how it? You happened?
3: know, I, I'll be honest with you. I think there's like there's a lot of really sort of odd stories about you know, you know. There's stories about it showing up on a stall in Portobello Road. There's stories about you <laughs> know like. God knows what. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, some bootleg person was... I mean, it, it's really hard to sort of, like, put... Unless I'm there, do you know what I mean? I wouldn't... I, I just think people... People like to create, you know, odd myths about, you know, this and that.
0: So, you know... It's more sensational.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sensational. But, you know, at the same time, it, like I say, there was a lot of confusion within the sort of, the, the, within the sort of the circles of The Clash, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know how, how it actually, do you know what I mean? It, it it would be weird that, you know, you think about it, I mean, it pops up and somewhere, you know, when somebody didn't do something and all of a sudden it's on, you know, the greatest hits of The Clash, you know what I'm saying? It's, yes, I do. You, you just don't know the process, you know? and and yeah it's uh you know it's uh it's uh, it's uh, i'm just saying you know people like controversy and people like to you know m- make up this and that mm-hmm. you know
0: so, so you I- had heard during the filming you had heard that this was going to be like played during a live performance like like uh, the clash would be in front of it and it would be playing on a big screen behind them that was the story you were that was about that that was what i
3: was told while we were making it
0: yeah Mm.
3: that um you know and that sort of part of the reason why it was um uh, sort of made like a silent movie do you know what i mean yeah you know it, it were, you know like back in the day you know someone playing a piano towards it and the idea the concept would have been was like you know the clash will be playing and they'd have this in the background you know
0: yeah Which and the I, thing is i just yeah. wonder what would be the emphasis like would people be going to see the film because they got to watch the interstitials and then like you just have to be doing an instrumental or are people going to see the clash and it would no, just no. be playing. No, no. My,
3: my idea was they'd be going to see the clash mm-hmm. and it would be played in the background. That would have been great. That would have been terrific. Can you imagine? Just visually, I just think it, it's, you know,
0: it, it would have been fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Gabby's brother, uh, whose name is Mark, Mark Salter. Yes. He, he did the camera work. Did he have any experience? with the camera um yeah, okay from the little
3: that i know i mean i know that he t- you know he'd shot like the stray cats videos and things
4: ah.
3: um so yeah i think he had a bit of a record bet- you know behind um you know shooting films shooting certainly shooting videos you know yeah but i i mean i have to admit i was surprised that don don wasn't Don Letts. yeah wasn't involved a, a lot more mm-hmm. but uh I, I, to be honest i think it was really a lot of it had to do with you know joe was really interested in film at the time yeah and i think it, i think a lot of it was a sort of vehicle for for joe to kind of experience the making of a film and and just see how much he could learn from it do
0: you know what i mean i do and you had said on uh baker's the baker's uh blog that uh you approached joe like hey let's make some music and he said just joking he goes i hate music i'm into film yeah (laughs) yeah
3: i'll never forget that i mean you know you know i'm like like you know i'm like 20 years old at the time i'm like raring to go i'm like let's get in the studio and you know, they, they'd they rented, rented a studio with a kit and I used to go there. And, but, you know, and they'd sort of like, they ended up sort of giving me like all the, you know, loaded Clash tunes to learn, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I was like, come on, man, let's play together. That's what groups do, right? Right, of course. Um, but, but, you know, Joe, Joe had to sort of, it, you know, you have to understand Joe's humor as well. Do you know what I mean? But I remember saying to him, Come on, when are we gonna get any little day? Oh music. I hate music. <laughs> but but that's Joe. That's Joe. You know you could you you know he wasn't serious, but no.
4: <laughs>
3: but, but you know, there's always a vague element of truth in
0: you maybe at that time. Do you know what I'm saying? Well yeah, I mean humor is yeah. based upon truth. And if he's saying I hate music, I mean he's he was trying I don't know how, where it went, but he was beginning his, he was heading towards a film career. That was on his mind. Right, right. That's the next thing he wanted to accomplish and tackle. Right, right. Now he yeah. gave you directing like he wanted everyone to be overacting, like it was an old silent film, like I mm-hmm. yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So would, would he would he do another take and say, "Give me more, ham it up"? I mean, he. I mean, he should,
3: I thought it was his directing was really good. i mean he literally was like you know narrating it you know what i mean which Mm -hmm. made me think you know but you see my idea was like just act like you're in a buster keaton movie yeah you know what i'm saying even to the point where i was moving like like you know like extra fast you know like when you watch those movies they like they all look like they're you know like you know on 78 part you know what i mean they were like moving really fast you know what i'm saying like so i thought it you know i thought it was that we were supposed to act like that you know (laughs) but everybody was acting like pretty just normal do you know what i mean yeah was it
0: you who was on the bike and you run into the mobsters yeah yeah, because yeah. I get a little a sense of that in that scene, and then you running up to tell them that everyone's, you know, Socrates is meeting with all the mob. There was like uh, overacting and moving quickly, and
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, and it's also it's supposed to be, you know, sort of, you know, slightly comical as well. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, Look the, at you know, for just for like me. even the like the gangsters were like extra gangsters. Do you know what I mean? And yes. you know you know we were like just you know like punks in the gangster sense you know not just punks
0: in the class sense in the know. punk sense right
3: yeah in the punk sense
0: <laughs> <laughs> now you've complimented his directing here the thing is some reports on the internet says that there it, okay we all know that there was no script but but some reports on the internet say that he made it up as he went along i don't believe that i think a full story was in his head don't you agree I agree, yeah.
3: Joe, Joe wasn't, uh, you know, he he just what he was. Joe always wanted to be professional, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. But mm-hmm. about everything that he did, I I got the impression, you know. But um, it's not something he would just make up on the spot, right? I mean, and the there
2: was
0: too much going on, you know. It had yeah. to be composed yeah. in his head, yeah. Yeah, And if you look at the title cards the interstitials in between and what they read and what people are saying it had to have been the script is not the word but he knew what he was going for from start to finish um you know the the blind man being in the exact right scenes giving the guns being there in the end clearly joe knew his story right absolutely The title of this film is Hell W10, which I'm told is a postal code of zip code for Notting Hill. But was it Hell or Hill? H I L L?
3: No, Hell. H, you know, Hell in the in the biblical sense. And that was
0: legitimate. That that was a well.
3: Hell is like Hell in West Ten. West (laughs) Ten is like you know, Labatt Grove.
0: Ah, okay, okay, Yeah. yeah so 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 what is the postal code the postal code is just w10 yes i get it now i get it for okay now it makes sense
3: yeah postal code is it's
0: kind of a bit like a zip code you know what i mean yes yeah now after the shoot was over like it seems like okay first of all the clash were off to go to the us festival in california but did people ask about the film? Because, I mean, when is it coming out? Uh, you know, Gabby, Mark, and Joe were editing. Did, were people, or, or was there just too much craziestness in the band and people kind of forgot about it? I hate to use the word
3: dysfunctional, but. Um, yeah. You know, like, you know, like again, you know, I was a 20 year old kid, like asked to, you know, initially, you know, I played, like say, I played with Joe for, you know, three years. In a, in, a, in a, you know, we do these gigs, we do this gig at, you know, New Year's Eve. So Joe, you know, Joe had an idea, you know, like, but it was kind of, for me, it was kind of weird because it's like, you know, it was like hip hop was, was really kind of, um, was like on the scene and it was kind of a bit like, it was a bit like, you know, do you go left or do you go right or do you continue? Down the road, you know what I mean, right. and I, mm-hmm. and and you see, it was like Mick. Mick was really, you know, f- falling in love with hip hop, you know, and yeah. you could see that with Bad, you know, like the way Bad. I knew that, you know, and so, but but Joe was kind of a bit like, you know, I want to go back to the roots of of it, you know what oh, I mean? Right. I, I want to go back to the how we started, you know what I mean? In a, yes. in a way. And I think, I think, to me, it was just like, you know, they reached a point where, you know, they were, to be honest, I think they should have all just had a break, a holiday. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: That would have been the best move instead of some, I mean, I think I blame Bernie for a lot of that. But I mean, instead of, uh, let's make a move instead, let's take a break. Let's take six months. Let's take eight months. Right. Right. Regroup. Dust will have cleared. Uh, tigers yeah. will have been, you know, you'll you'll be remembering good times rather than, uh, w- you know, what he just said to you last night. You know?
3: Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, it's like everything. You know, you need perspective. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You need you need to sit back and look at yourself. You can't just keep riding that horse, riding that horse. Because especially you think about the Clash when they were on stage. I mean, they were really famous for just like their energy. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yes, I do. And, and you just keep you like year in, year out, expanding that sort of. And Joe, you know, that's the thing. You know, he always gave it everything, everything he, he got.
0: Rashed you know himself
3: I mean? into a frenzy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And yeah. then you know, it's it's okay. But you know, as the years tick by, you know what I mean. You just got to sort of, you know, take a, you know, take a, you know, go and sit on an island for. You know what i mean absolutely
0: and after the clash right. broke up that's where they ended up after the clash broke up uh joe and uh i think don let's i'm not sure i don't think i'm not sure about yeah, it, but they went yeah down funny the enough table.
3: they did they was in the bahamas like ah. working on big audio dynamite right yeah because yeah. joe went out to to try and get mick back he did he did yeah
4: yeah wow
0: that would have been great probably uh, Mick was resentful and hurt uh, and sent him packing, you know, and he was having some success. Uh, yeah. I think, I think yeah. he just, you know, you know what the,
3: the thing is, you know, Mick was really the music guy, you know, mm-hmm. Joe was the lyricist. He was more, you know, Joe for me is like a poet, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, his character was, you know, you know, no one could have, you know, changed, like, his vocals was very special, you know, but but Mick was the music guy, you know, uh, uh, ultimately, and um, I think, you know, Mick knew what course he was heading for, you know what I mean? Well, he
0: absolutely and, 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 was the and, and, musical one. Sorry? He absolutely was the musical one. You can yeah. hear it on the first album, the harmonies he did in the background, the guitar licks he did that weren't jamming, but like aiding the song. Uh, he was uh, the music side of the house. And right. uh, Joe was the lyric. Uh, he was the poet. He was uh, yeah singing about meaningful stuff, not love and girls and new powers, yeah. singing about politics and conditions. Right. Uh, yeah. Now, do you think, I'm asking your personal opinion here, do you feel that Joe was trying to keep the band together, keep them engaged and working on a project, or no, it was just situation normal and let's make a film?
3: Uh, Okay, I'll I'll try and answer that as simply as I know. Mm -hmm. A little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Mm -hmm. Really.
0: I just, I, it just seems like there's all this speculation that he was trying to, to uh, keep the band together. But the thing is, did he know it was falling apart I, I, or it was just tension? There's always tension uh, in relationships and bands, etc. Well, again, you know,
3: it's like, there's a point where I think in a band, you know, this sort of the egos begin to knock up against each other. Yeah. And, um, you know it's it's kind of no one's fault but sometimes it's a bit like a marriage you know and 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 you're with someone for so many years and you're kind of you know just you know at some point you're like you know do we do we do we have a separation or do we you know or take a break Or you know, you know, we take a break yeah exactly yeah. so but but you know ultimately it's kind of like you know joe joe's like You know was kind of in love with film you Mm -hmm. know at that point you know and i think that's his brain saying i need a break you know what i'm saying i need a holiday but instead of like actually having a holiday i'll get interested in film you know what i'm saying for a while and instead of actually just actually just kind of taking a proper break and, and then coming back as they say and dreaming it up again you know what i mean
0: Yeah, I guess it just wasn't his personality, he always wanted to be engaged and uh, I think he would probably have been bored uh, just taking time off. I mean, can't you see him like moving towards film? Um, And I wanted to ask you about this ego thing. I I think that like Mick more had the ego than Joe. Mick would always make you wait, he'd be late, he'd have veto power over things. Definitely. Yeah. I mean I I I really
3: um you know it's funny because when when Joe passed away we did um um we did some tribute concerts for him in, um one in London and one in Granada and Mick came along and played uh-huh. in both of those great and I tell you Mick was so much, you know it, it, when I when I was working with the Clash yeah you know, I thought I wasn't I wasn't impressed with Mick but uh-huh it was he was he was an ego you know but i mean he kind of apologized you know like you know and he was he's like just like couldn't have been a sweeter guy after and the things he said about joe were just you know when joe passed away, it was i remember saying to him something about oh you know one half is going he turned away he
0: said yeah the better half
3: you know really yeah
0: yeah i guess he must you know as we get older right yeah. and just he must have eventually arrived at a place in which he had to see that. Uh, and that says something very good about him. So, yeah, you know, I mean, we're, we're only human,
3: you know. You don't know what's, what's hitting you one way or another or which way you yeah. cope with it. You
0: know what I mean? Uh, especially so young and now there's money involved and people right, coming up to you, right. strangers, complimenting you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're oh. just human.
3: Yeah, I remember Paul telling me like when they first started out, they was like, there was one point where they were like, literally like, living off of you know dough. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember him telling me like, oh, they was cooking this like this
0: thing with just flour and water. Well, it was the paste from the they would hang up the flyers with with flour. Right. That's right.
3: Yeah. That's what he was telling me, and they'd be eating the stuff that they were pasting up yeah like, and he was like it's somebody offered him with no thanks so, you know it was like but you know that i'm saying it was it was you know then you go from then buying your own house you know what i'm saying right. so it's it's yeah. a lot to t- you know it's a lot to deal with but
0: so my next question is just as uh strong you know it's more again about your personal opinion. Do you think that Joe is trying to reflect real life in the film? I mean, Mick is with this guitar guy, Digby, and uh, Mick is with Cosmo, and uh, Joe is with Mole, and and, and the, he's got Paul against Mick. So, like, was he trying to char- character characterization of real life? Or is that just the way things fell? because it felt naturally right? Well, you
3: know, it's, it's weird because, you know, life I mean, I wouldn't put it past Joe to have thought about that aspect of it,
4: because mm-hmm.
3: it because it literally was life imitating imitating art. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But on a quite a grand scale. I mean, I think I think when it comes down to it, they you know they loved each other. You know you know what I mean? They really yeah. loved each other, but you know it's like you know there's a point where you kind of like lose track of. You know, what's going what's going on, you know? So you, you know, it, it you know, it's fair to say that you know, you know, this was gonna be Paul's camp and this is gonna be mixed camp and this is gonna be, you know, and, and in a funny way, Joe quite cleverly sort of think about it, because he played a copper in the film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So right. he kind of
0: kept out of it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like no, he he didn't would. Have his, you know. And he had his foot in both you know he's working with the criminal but yet he's defending the justice i mean right and right. also he's the arbitrator he was in the middle uh yeah exactly yeah exactly i guess it has to be that he absolutely uh was trying to uh put everyone in their role and in their place in the um in the relationship i guess it right. has to be uh we can't ask him but i wish we could because it's so clear. So. Okay, so now Bernie Rhodes, he, like, rejected the film. He thought it was stupid. I mean, did you see him around at all during the filming? I saw him,
3: I'll be honest with you, I saw him once. Okay. Okay. I got to meet him once, and, and, um, it was, it was kind of weird, you know? We were, it was the very last day of filming.
4: Oh. And,
3: um, we were like, in, and we were in Camden and, and he met, and he was like, he was asking me about like who my favorite drummers were. And I was like, you know, I was like, you know, all these jazz people. And he was like, oh, <laughs> and he made a really funny, um, comment. It was like, it was like, oh, Joe would have just what Joe would have said. You know, he said something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Interesting. It, was, it was really odd, you know, but, um, but, um, yeah that's all i i don't really remember i was you know i had a, I had a feud that
0: night to be honest yeah, every night apparently according to the internet uh apparently joe was uh it wasn't props they were real drinks and yeah where there's drinking they're drinking well that's you
3: know my first scene in that film was as the barman yeah. You know, and like, it was like it was like you know I had no idea. This is the first time I'd been in any movie at all. But he stuck the bar with proper booze. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I, I was a lot of it was just waiting around. You know, for them to get going. Yeah. So I'd just be opening up. You know, can after can after can. By the time it was ready to film, I mean, I was pretty. You know, I was like ready to. You know,
0: act. <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> well, your inhibitions were down, Buster <laughs> Keaton with a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: So that well, whatever you call it, I was ready for it. I mean, yeah. particularly,
0: thank God it was silent. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Barry was there in that scene, the baker. Um, baker was Baker was full on. Baker was around all the time. Well, he was bringing lights and working on special effects, and he was uh, driving uh, all the equipment. Um, But he was in that bar scene that you talk about um, at the at the um, uh, Daniel Steven. Tell me, he made this eyeball right when the guy's eyeball comes out of his head onto the. Did you were you there for that scene? You're not. I wasn't. I wasn't
3: there for that scene, but it's pretty you know gruesome yeah it
0: was pretty gruesome yeah. and yeah. i bet you that barry was really quite proud of himself because yeah it came off well you know it, it, it was
3: well you know but i mean baker's like you know he's just to me it was like a bit like the soul you know the soul of the you know what i mean of I don't know he's just like a really dependable sort of person he's always there and he's always you know willing to do you know enable willing and able to do whatever needs to be
0: done to be all, all things to all people you know well he was there for the whole thing he was there from the beginning he, i think he was oh yeah rum tech buddy he was like jack of all trades kind of roadie yeah uh, just yeah. making it happen like you said
3: yeah no, it's, it's true. I mean, it's it's kind of funny because, I mean, just, you know, to know, I mean, you know, one of my best mates um, for a while, and I actually did other things musically, was Mickey Foot, Uh-huh. who who produced the first Clash album.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, we're, he, I got to ask you, Derek, were these guns real? These guns really don't look like props. Uh...
3: You know, that's really funny you should ask that, because I, I assumed uh, they were, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I remember picking it up, and I was like, wow, because you really don't see guns in England much, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, not but, even uh, the police, yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't fire it or anything, but...
0: Well, but I mean, it was heavy enough.
3: It looked uh, it looked like the real deal, but, um, you know... I, I really couldn't say that much, you know. It's funny now you ask. I'm like, you know, it should have occurred to me, like, where'd you get that gun from? You know what I mean? That looks, right. looks a bit heavy kind of thing.
0: And yeah. it's kind of funny in the film because uh, your character wants to pick it up and touch it and Paul uh, uh, Earl shoes you away. Yeah. Don't touch. Yeah, don't touch. It's mine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, um... There was a lot of, okay, in today's day and age, right? We're sitting here in 2021. These young kids today would call it racism, but in the film, there was a lot of, you know, are you auditioning for the black Superman? Uh, Joe is calling him jungle bunny and he's putting it on the title card, the interstitials. I mean, yeah, like there was no qualm uh, about singling out a person uh because of their race and talking down to them you know you know in, in, it's weird
3: because in a lot of ways you know you know people might disagree with me but
4: mm-hmm.
3: in a lot of ways you know you know this was before you know lock stock and two smoke and barrels and and um there was a lot of there was a lot of reality kind of interjected into it you know what i mean yeah there wasn't any kind of like you know sort of polite you know whatever um yeah i think i th- i think that was personally i think that was quite
0: well represented uh-huh. yeah. for his time you know so topper left after combat rocker was asked to go and i think it was drugs i'm not sure um yeah. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah. It, I think it was heroin. He just couldn't function anymore. I think if he, had I, I'll, tell, it, you it I'll tell you, a,
3: I'll tell you a really weird story very quickly, if I can. Mm-hmm. The very first day of shooting, I was walking back up Lambert Grove, you know, and um, you know I went down and, and Joe introduced me to Paul and blah blah, and we were shooting that. They were shooting that scene. I don't know with the jag when i think it's like it hit you know digby's on the head you know yeah on the car mm-hmm. and i was like i was there watching that and was like jeez that must have hurt yeah. but anyway but but i was walking up Labrador grove like after all i just decided to walk up up walk kind of home and i'm passing i mean i hope this is all right to say actually um, I met, you know, I met Topper, he's a really lovely guy, I love Topper, but anyway, I met, I met Topper, and he was coming out of the, of the, you know, the the police station, right, mm. and I mean, Jesus was scary, you know, he just looked, he looked so ill, uh-huh. okay. most more dead than alive, you know, and, uh-huh. and, um, couldn't believe it, you know, because I kn- I know he was involved in that thing with, uh, it was some problem with drugs and it sold and I think he actually ended up doing a little bit of time, I- I'm not sure. But, okay. um, 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 but I went up to him and I was like, hey, Joe's like, asked me to do that. And he just kind of looked at me and went, well, good luck with that, mate. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it was, but it was just weird seeing him
4: yeah
3: and and he and you know he was like a walking almost like a walking skeleton you know it was well, that's scary. The thing. i
0: think it's just clear that he couldn't continue it wasn't that they wanted him out at all uh he just wasn't doing the job and they've got shows to do and they've got uh places to be and you just can't disappear and uh so
3: yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, at the same t- again, you know, it's kind of weird that they, like, fired him because, you know, my my idea is, I said, and I said to Joe, you know, it's like DNA, you know, you can't, you can't just replace somebody just, you know, people think drummers are just like, you know, people who make noise. And no, it, 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 no. You know, no, sometimes you get the impression, even as, you know, I'm a drummer. <laughs> yeah but a sort of popular belief is that oh you just replace you know like that's why machines are now coming you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. drummers were replaced with machines and, and it's a popular idea that you know you just but what they forget is that you know drummers have soul you know what i mean yes and and tupper you know tupper had soul you know he had he had all that kind of you know and and you can't just you know just replace like i said i remember saying to talking to Jones like DNA, you can't just, and really what they said, then again, you know, if it my for my two cents, you know, just, just take a break, everybody, you know, get right. Topper some, the help he needed, you know, he needed right. to go to rehab properly, you know what I mean? And, 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 and then, you know, if it took a year, if it took two years, whatever, how long, however long it took. Right, You know, but I guess the the, the the wheels of rock and roll need to keep turning, you know, because it's the record company needs to be paid, you know.
4: Yeah, you
3: know, all you, to of you know, so you get caught up in it. No matter how idealistic you think you are, you know what I mean? It's uh, it's just how it goes, you know. But uh, but I'm just saying it was just, the you know, the coincidence. And I'll be honest with you, it freaked me out just mm-hmm. visually just to see that because you know you know i was just like wow you know, this could is. you know what i mean it's like could this be me in a few years if this actually works you know what i'm saying right it was like from day one so it was you know it's just a weird coincidence is what i'm trying to say
0: now i was listening to that our time is now podcast out of Ithaca uh with a friend a co-worker of yours and, oh yeah um, you had mentioned that joe was kind of grooming you to be the drummer and but like then recruited this pete howard don't you feel like there was an opportunity miss there um i know you were with the raincoats uh but i think that you had returned from that and you were playing with joe uh do you...
3: well well i uh, i mean I uh... I'll tell you I'll tell you honestly right I'll mm-hmm. tell you honestly um Joe was recruiting me and he and he kind of you know and and I and I recorded with with Mick you know um mm-hmm. for the backing track I did some um I did some drums and some percussion and that uh, and um but, you know to be, like i say uh, the more the more i, I kind of went into it the, the less i seemed to belong oh. I, I started i start i started out feeling really welled up like this is going to be fantastic and i had that you know energy a sort of 20 year old kid but it, you know i kind of you know i began i i had more and more problems saying you know how do i fit in how do i okay. actually you know i mean I, I guess i was caught up in you know with i don't know just like from where i come from which is more of a kind of reggae hip-hop like you know you know i'm um, jamaican background you know what i mean yeah and 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 i i uh, well, you know, for for me, it was it was kind of like you know, because because it's it's not just like when you like around the clash, it's more sort of a, an idealistic thing as well. It's a mm-hmm. kind of you know, what I mean, there's a there's a kind of you know, there's a kind of politics and there's a lot of things to consider, you know. And I was always thinking like, how do I how do I fit, you know, in do you know do I fit in, in right? What i'm saying and again you know when i started off i was like i could see how this could work yeah but the yeah. longer i was in it my soul was kind of being depleted by well they can't even talk to each other how, to, how am i gonna you know <laughs> you know gonna kind of you know make sense of, in here you no know i'm yeah. saying and then when i found myself going to the studio that was, you know, the, the, it was there for me to learn all the stuff and make preparations. I was like, I'm sitting on, you know, listening to, you know, um, Cosmo gave me a tape. And it was just like, oh, learn the Clash. And I felt like I'd, I'd been playing with live band, you know, a live band. And I'm like, I'm now sitting in a studio on my own playing to a tape. And I'm like, oh, just like taking the wind out of my sail. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I need people to feed off of, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, like, and, and having played with Joe, it was really weird to think that he couldn't even get his backside to the... Sorry, I don't want to sound disrespectful because I love right. Joe. But, you know, like, you know what I mean? Just well, that he let's come on his, down and let's make yeah. sure
0: music, Yeah. Yeah, so I was just feel
3: like the longer I was in there, and the more experiences like I I had like that, I was like, oh man, I'm you know, you know, it's kind of like, what am I here for? The beer, you know what I mean? Right. You know, but um, you know, but I was getting paid, and stuff <laughs> like that. But it was like, you know, wh- what are we about anymore? What is this about? Right. Really, you know.
0: Well, by 1984, you are already. Uh, back with the raincoats, doing moving, uh, you know, drums, bongos, well, well, to be honest, to
3: be honest, the raincoats was again was coming to an end. So you oh. know, part of me was like, you know, was was wasn't sure about which direction they were going. Okay, and I was pretty much just like a session, you know, person for the with the raincoats, you know,
4: mm-hmm. and.
3: um you know, they were, they were. I think from listening to their stuff now, I think they were experimenting a lot with, you know, their sound, you know, and it was like, Richard Dudansky and me were, we were just like, you know, really great friends. And, and it was just like, you know, we, you know, we're basically like, have given a chance that we could just play together. Do you know what I mean? And he, yes. and again, Richard was in the 101ers. He was the original, you know, drummer for the 101ers, you know, and, um, you know, public image and, and, and stuff like, you know, but, but we were just great mates. And so, you know, that, that was given the, you know, that was the chance to do that, really. But I went on, I, you know, very soon I went, I, after that I was, I went on to play with, with Nena. She was in that band, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, when you were on Our Time Is Now podcast, you relayed this great story about uh, Joe showing up with the boombox the first day you even ever saw him uh, playing disco out of it. Uh, yeah. You went on to, I don't want to steal that guy's thunder and have you retell that story, but you went on to talk about how he was. he was not pretentious, but yet at the same time, he knew he was a star um yeah so there's that song cheapskates and he talks about that in that song you know he, going out to hear a tune and what are you doing here you're supposed to be a star you know uh can you talk about his it seems like he straddled a fence right he he knew he was a, a big deal but he also knew that that was a conditional thing that he had gotten some fame that that he was just a mate he was just i'm using I'm sorry, i don't mean to use that like i'm not english but he was just a, a friend and just a a person from he well, was pretentious while at the same time he was aware of his fame
3: you know i mean i i get the impression you know like you know certain people lap it up you know the fame thing and and they're all about that you know
4: mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. you know what i mean and then some people are just sort of like don't sit with it as comfortably um you know like you know you mentioned Kurt Cobain you know what i'm saying you met you mentioned you know kind of people who are a bit more kind of idealistic about um you're not 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 wanting to get caught in that sort of you know pop star trap.
0: Keeping your perspective.
3: You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And I mean, Joe was just about like just trying to be as real as he could, you know. Mm-hmm. But but you know it 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 can't be. I don't know. It can't be easy because you know in a way you're you can I can see sort of almost slightly schizy, schizoid you know parallel to being wanting to live like this and yet as soon as you step <laughs> on the road you know everyone's like oh there's joe whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. you know what i mean like this you know he's a star you know what i'm saying
0: listen i want to thank you for being on um yeah. and you. i really appreciate the insight
1: that you've given us so let's keep in touch yeah yeah we are going to be back next sunday And you can listen to us first on Mutiny Radio, 2 o'clock. You can get our podcast by subscribing to L W A F L M O I T. Carl, the movie next week is an Australian film from 1972. It's called The Adventures of Barry McKenzie. Okay, The Adventures of Barry McKenzie. Yes, just type in The Adventures of Spud McKenzie and then change Spud to Barry. And what year again? 1972. Okay. Jack great and i do see a trailer i could blast that trailer for us okay perfect all right you uh do you want to play along or say just go um yeah well go ahead yeah you t- tell tell us what is the channel i don't even know i just think it's very the adventures of barry mckenzie tra- 1972 trailer okay okay count us off three two one go so I not
4: need to uh, splash the boots. You
0: know, strain the got a in I'm bobbing my
1: head. I'm talking like that. Sounds great.
2: can't stick
5: your head up a dead bear's bum. Look, very seriously, I've been promising myself a trip to the old country ever since Norm's little operation. My family came from Britain, many rooms again. Um,
4: hello,
2: sir. I'm I'm terribly sorry, but somebody must have let that
1: Australian lunatic on the set. Excuse me, sir. Have you got time? sorry, sport, but at the point of established fact, at the present period of time, may watch for instance Shane and Anthony White's best
0: friend. This is a terrible trailer! straight focusing,
1: her. I'll quit this racket. Here to I need charge well, sir. You charge well yeah. Hey, like he... it? Four needs guineas for this week. my idea. I'll take the
2: boy to my den and put it up. Oh,
4: no,
1: you won't, you filthy old pair! Are you sure this is a trailer? I think so. It keeps saying Barry uh, Humphrey's name. That's Anyway, it's the Lord, uh, it's Dane Edna. It's a Dane Edna movie. Uh-huh. But before Dane uh, it was. it's uh, one of the biggest Australian films ever. I'm really excited that there's a version on YouTube. We'll be watching it, so you'll take a listen. You know, spend the week uh, enjoying that great P-humor that starts right off. Our P-humor, it's two bits, you know? It's just 2P. Gotcha. I'm Yeah. He, he aims high when he does his P humor. Thank you. I've been the love guru, Mike Myers. Yay. Yeah, with 100 P jokes. So uh, we would love for you to uh, subscribe and check out next week's episode or just tune into Media Radio. There's some great programming for us and uh, great shows afterwards. So make it a Sunday afternoon. Uh, keep listening to Media Radio. Keep listening to us. Uh, Check us out on Facebook and our LWAFLMOYT YouTube channel. Carl, anything to promote? Any uh, what's-ups? No, we'll just do carlsucks.com. So check it out, and we'll see you next week. Now over at Mutiny Radio, they really
0: pack them in with podcast live comedy. Francisco starts a tune in in New Jersey at 5 p.m. Mike Spiegelman Wells. Let's watch a full-length
6: Howdy folks, this is Finch bringing you another episode of Always Free Radio, a show all about rainbow gatherings and the people that participate in them. This show airs weekly on Tuesdays every week on Mutiny Radio, the pirate radio station coming at you from the Mission District in San Francisco, California. You can tune into this show by turning on mutinyradio.fm any Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. San Francisco time, which is also the Pacific time zone. The next few weeks of this show will be pre-recorded before they air, because your regular host, Roach, and your semi-regular co-host, myself, will be out in the world again, exploring that rainbow magic for ourselves. Hopefully, at some point, we will be able to air some Sounds from the Rainbow 2021 for you all. Until then, enjoy this special pre-recorded podcast. During the first four weeks of June, we will also be airing a twenty one year old public radio segment in four parts from the Montana two thousand gathering. We will also, as always, be sharing rainbow music and stories and news as it becomes available. What is happening with the gathering this year? Good question. Here are a couple responses from Karen Zirk and Karen Shamalama Mama, respectively. From Karen Zirk, may twenty third, twenty twenty one. This year is shaping up to be multiple smaller gatherings and or campouts over the July 4th prayer for world peace some of these gatherings will have an emphasis on covid-19 safety protocols others perhaps not so much many people may choose not to gather the idea is not to have one large gathering but to spread points of light around the land the pandemic is still ongoing and many of us take this very seriously The idea is that of the prism, where the light comes in and refracts out to many points around the USA. A lot of this is off the radar and very confusing. There are frequent Zoom webinars slash conference calls where the plans are being discussed and people are being asked to plug in to different efforts. If you want the webinar slash call information, please reach out to me at kzirk at earthlink.net. That's k z i r k at e a r t h l i n k net and i'll send you the information the zoom is open 24/7 but i know there are specific times when more people are dialed in you can join from any old phone by calling the access numbers but toll or long distance charges apply if you do not have unlimited long distance on your phone i know of prayers for peace on july 4th being focalized in the northeast northwest and southwest there may be more. From Karen Shama, Mama, So last year, a pandemic swept the planet. A bunch of folks from Rainbow started talking online and started having conference calls by telephone every other evening for weeks, listening to each other's concerns and feelings, and it seemed like the general sense of most of the people on those calls was that it was inappropriate to travel across country and gather thousands of people into one place. These people were on board with an idea they dubbed om from home and many of them felt that the idaho gathering should be postponed until it was safer for the public health to gather together there were of course other people who felt that people were overreacting that not gathering was a submission to government authorities and that really the threat was not as bad as many were making it out to be many individuals in kitchen crews and, cha- and camps chose to home from home july 2020 And about 400 to 600 people came to Idaho and went through the usual process of having a gathering, including Spring Council, Gathering, and Vision Council, the choosing of the next year's region. They chose New Mexico or Arizona as the region they wanted to gather in July 2021 meanwhile many who owned from home felt that those who went to gather in idaho were being irresponsible and many of those who went to idaho felt that those at home had no right to persuade others to do the same there was a lot of contention and animosity between folks it was a very challenging time for family This summer, folks started talking together again about what they wanted to do in July 2021. Many of those who owned from home were ready to gather again, but some wanted to be in smaller groups closer to home and chose to create smaller health-conscious gatherings over the 4th in their own bioregions. These were dubbed prism gatherings, the metaphor being that when light shines through a prism, it creates many colors of the rainbow, a refraction of our light, not a division. Some Rainbow family really dislike this idea of PRISM gatherings. Many of those people who gathered in Idaho in 2020 are the ones focalizing the Southwestern gathering in Arizona or New Mexico. Some folks going to the New Mexico-Arizona are saying that their gathering is the official annual gathering, the real gathering. Others going to New Mexico-Arizona are in full support of there being multiple small gatherings around America. It seems to me that most folks in general have grown tired of being at odds with each other and feel that PRISM gatherings are a great compromise, a way forward, allowing everyone to follow their heart this summer. It looks like there will be three rainbow gatherings over the 4th of July this summer and multiple Rainbow Family campouts, potlucks, and picnics all across the country. New Mexico or Arizona Rainbow Gathering, July 1st through 7th, 2021. Idaho Rainbow Gathering, July 1st through 7th, 2021. Pennsylvania Prism Rainbow Gathering, June 20th to July 4th, 2021. Please note that Pennsylvania's dates are a little different from the usual July gathering dates. Thanks, Karens, for those updates. Upcoming on this podcast, a jaunt into Europe, where the Spanish Rainbow Gathering is in full swing. The Spanish media has just discovered the gathering, and so has the Civil Guard. I will be reading several of the news stories from the first four days of June, with rainbow music to break up the monotony of my persistent Finch voice. Although I wish I could read all of the articles published about the Spanish rainbow gathering, I think I would lose all of you by the end. There were over 15 news articles published by the time I checked on June 4th, and most of them were essentially the same story with only a few words changed. I picked through them and found a selection of news I hope will be sufficient. Between the articles, Rainbow Songs come, as always, from Tenali's Rainbow Field Recording Archive, which you can listen to in its entirety at soundsfromtherainbow.org. After Rainbow Spain, we will be listening to a selection of entries from the Seed Camp Diaries of John Tarleton at the 1999 Pennsylvania Rainbow Gathering. Hopefully, we will continue to read this journal to completion over the next episode or two. Finally, we will be listening to the second hour of the four-hour-long public radio piece from the year 2000 about the Montana Rainbow Gathering. Happy listening, and here we go! (coughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> These are the rules of the rainbow family to which an illegal commune of La Rioja belongs by M.J. Arias on Yahoo! Noticias, Friday, June 4th. A large group of people, they estimate between 150 and 200, have been camped for days in one of the natural landscapes that La Rioja enjoys. There, in the middle of nature and more than 70 kilometers away from Lograño, they have already received dozens of administrative sanction proposals for breaking environmental and health regulations in times of pandemic. Those who are there, of very diverse origins, fall within the so-called Arcoiris family, which some call a hippie movement with very clear basic rules. When asked what they are doing in the Sierra de la Demanda Rioja, in an area of difficult access with slopes of up to 70% to get there and having left their car about 4 kilometers away to camp, the answer is that by celebrating a ritual of communion with nature. It started with the lunar cycle and is scheduled to end next week when it is complete their presence in the area has aroused curiosity discomfort in some cases and all kinds of headlines due to the fact that some or many the data are unknown are naked and there are minors among those present to find the origin of this movement of the rainbow family we have to go back to the early 1970s in the united states some sources suggest that the seed was planted by two young men named barry plunker and garrick beck after attending a music festival in portland They wanted to unite communes, hippies, and nomads in a kind of apolitical organization of, quote, like-minded people on the planet. The point is that the great events of the Rainbow family is its meetings, such as the one currently being held in La Rioja. They are annual, have a duration of about four weeks, and every year they change location. This is decided at the end of each meeting. They meet and vote where the next year will be held. The first took place in 1972 in Colorado. Thousands of people gathered there to pray for world peace. It was a success in their eyes and they repeated a year later in Wyoming. The tradition had been inaugurated. There are not many norms in this family. Everyone is welcome. There are no leaders, no commercialism. Weapons are not allowed either, as you can read in some articles about their history and their encounters. Although drugs have been linked to the movement, and someone who was in one of those rainbow gatherings told Vice they received him with a joint, not all of them would be allowed, specifically alcohol and synthetics. There is no obligation to to contribute money to the community, but a hat is passed in which each one deposits what they can to buy supplies and food for everyone. As for the requirements of the space where these annual meetings are held, in summer, always, it must be a spacious space, outdoors, surrounded by nature, away from urban centers, and with a nearby water source. In addition, and although there are only a few dozen people in La Rioja, it must be chosen bearing in mind that thousands can come together. These annual meetings do not have a program. They are simply there, live together, and organize workshops. But above all, they say, the freedom of the individual prevails. Some practice nudism.
7: All right, I've got
2: a couple of short numbers and then uh, a little longer one here. We're going to start with a little tune here. This is my best showpiece here. (laughs) It's called Malagania.
6: June 1st, 2021. Hundreds of hippies invade the mountains in the Riojan mountains. They live in full harmony with nature, with love towards others and toward the environment as the only norm and without hierarchies. They are the rainbow family and for a couple of weeks they have settled in La Rioja to celebrate a rite of communion with nature that will end next week at the end of the lunar cycle that brings them together in the Sierra de la Demanda. More than 100 tents and teepees are distributed in a remote enclave of the Portilla Valley, about 5 kilometers southwest of Viniegro de Abajo, and about 3 kilometers from the border with Castilla y León. To get there, more than 50 vehicles remain parked at the end of a forest track south of the Mancia Reservoir, and its occupants walk over 2 kilometers of slopes and ravines. In the makeshift village there are no norms neither social nor hygiene naked practicing free sex and without a mask in the middle of the pandemic the members of the commune there are several minors among them cook the food they have brought in their vehicles over a bonfire In another larger bonfire, the Sacred Fire, members of the Rainbow family do yoga, sing, and dance. It should be remembered that La Rioja is at a low risk of fires until July 1st, but it is forbidden to light fires in forest lands such as the ones where the commune is located, which has caused the concern of the forest agents who take care of the environment. There are also doubts about the legality of staying overnight in the place, although it is not possible to vacate the town without first having the owners of the land or the Ministry of Sustainability of the government of La Rioja urge the state security forces and bodies to the hippies, as the neighbors of the Seven Villas know them, leave the place. We do not know where they came from, several residents of the area explain to Nueve Cuatro Uno, who assure that among the members of the Rainbow family gathered in La Rioja, there are Portuguese, Germans, Dutch, and from other countries. Among his fears, he highlights the possibility of a fire in the valley, one of the wildest and most virgin areas of the community. Furthermore, he regrets that the presence of so many people disturbs the fauna of the area. Other campsites in the commune The Rainbow Family originated in the United States in the early 1970s. Every year it organizes meetings around the world as an experience of community living in which anyone is welcome, as long as it is governed by the values of world peace and nonviolence. Other requirements are to dispense with electronic devices and chemicals. Five years ago, the Sierra de Guara, Aragón, already experienced a situation like the one that currently occurs in La Rioja. The camping then began with a few dozen participants, but in a few days it gathered hundreds of people until they were evicted.
8: Jack's still here. Real Nazis run your schools, your coaches, businessmen, cops. Your real forks, I could be the first to go. Nazi homes, Nazi homes, my God. Yeah! Woo! Nazi homes, Nazi homes, my God. I could be the first to go, be the first to go, be the first to go.
6: From La Sexta, Thursday, June 3rd, 2021. The Civil Guard studies whether to evict a concentration of hundreds of people naked and having sex in La Rioja. The agents have called social services because there are children in that settlement. It is believed that they move based on the lunar phases. The Civil Guard of La Roja studies whether to evict an illegal concentration of hundreds of people in a rural area of the community. The Rainbow family, as they call themselves, is made up of between 150 and 200 people from various European countries and would move according to the lunar phases. Right now, they are camped in the Sierra de la Demanda, an area very close to Burgos. The members of this group have left their cars parked on a road located several kilometers from the camping site, which is about 73 kilometers from Logroño, and which is accessible by the mountain after crossing several slopes of 70-plus percent. There they live in the middle of nature with tents. They are completely naked and have sex at all hours." They also do not respect any rule, as confirmed by agents of the Civil Guard, who have appeared at the scene up to two times to notify them of various fines for various infractions, among them for making a fire in a place where it is not allowed, but also for not respecting nature by occupying forbidden spaces and much less anti-COVID measures. The Civil Guard has registered them, and at the moment they have not found drugs, only Viagras." However, in this place, there are also children involved, so they have notified the social services. The Riohan government has ensured they have evidence of this settlement and are studying the measures to be adopted in co-governance with the affected municipalities, including the eviction. The good news is that agents believe that members of this community, born in the United States and spread throughout the world, will be leaving in a few days. Specifically between June 14th and 15th, because that is when the lunar cycle ends.
2: Revolution! Okay, repeat, this is something African, a africana African that means that we are limited. This is a song that, from Africa that means we are not limited, we are unlimited. Kilele! Yeah.
6: Rioja is studying the eviction of hundreds of hippies camped in the mountains accumulating a hundred sanctions. The Civil Guard of La Rioja has processed almost 100 administrative proposals to sanction a group of hippies of the Arcoiris family who have been camped in the mountains of the Mancia area for 15 days for making fire, occupying spaces not allowed, and failure to comply with anti-COVID measures. It is the Rainbow family, and for a couple of weeks they have been in La Rioja to celebrate a rite of communion with nature that will end next week when the lunar cycle that brings them together in the Sierra de la Demanda ends. The Rainbow Movement was born in the U.S. in the early 1970s, a time when important collective consciousness began to develop. Rainbow gatherings are held all over the world, and as soon as one draws to a close, a council is held at which the venue for the following year's celebrations is decided. There are always volunteers who are willing to scout the area in search of a good location and begin to establish the base. The meetings last month and their start coincides with the new moon. The number of attendees ranges from 50 when held in inaccessible areas to 5,000 in Europe or 30,000 in the USA. As sources of the investigation have informed FA this Wednesday, this group of people who come from various European countries practice nudism and live with several minors. The participants have left their cars parked on a road located about 3 or 4 kilometers from the camping site, about 73 kilometers from the Lograño, which is accessed by the mountain after crossing 70% slopes. On this issue, the spokesman for the government of La Rioja, Sara Alba, has indicated there is evidence of this settlement and that, quote, the measures to be adopted are being studied in co-governance with the affected municipalities, including the eviction. The participants have left their cars parked on a road located about three or four kilometers from the camping site, about 73 kilometers from Lograño, and which is accessed by the mountain after crossing several slopes of 70%. In the makeshift town, there are no norms, neither social nor hygiene, in the middle of the COVID pandemic. It is forbidden to light fires in forest lands such as the ones where the commune is located, which has caused the concern of the forest agents who take care of the environment. Two Friday June 4th rainbow meeting in La Rioja we received the civil guards and forest agents in a circle singing and dancing this secluded corner bathed by the Portilla River a few kilometers from the moncia reservoir has never been so busy the last tracks are far from the place but it is despite the difficulty of access a constant trickle of people who come and go in search of a few days of peace and direct contact with nature it is the Rainbow Gathering, the annual event that the Rainbow family has organized in different parts of Spain, Europe, and the world. It lasts a lunar cycle, and the days pass between workshops in Reiki, Yoga, Botany, Chakra Healing, or Tantra. Around a perpetual fire that will be lit while they are there, many tents dot the landscape, and those that have been around the longest estimate that there are about 150 people they meet twice a day in a circle around the fire to sing and dance also in those moments they all eat together always vegan food and they assure that there is no alcohol or chemical drugs there they approve everything by consensus and make their purchase thanks to the magic hat they pass the hat and each one make what they think who doesn't have a little kiss and with that some go to logroño or nahera There are people of all ages, also young boys and girls from all around the world, Chile, Israel, France, Germany, and many parts of Spain, and even Rioja, and you can see them juggling, or cariocas, playing the guitar, or walking through the place. They ensure that everyone is welcome, although there are those who prefer to distance themselves from those who come to ask. The Council of Visions is now deciding where the next rainbow gathering and rainbow healing will be. The latter is aimed at cleaning, and nothing stimulating is allowed to be done always in remote places and having natural water. Although they admit that they did not obtain the necessary permits for this place, they defend that they always leave the area as we found it, or even better, because we clean it of dry wood that favors the risk of fires. Until at least seven years have passed, they will not return to the same place. The forestry agents and the civil guard have already been in the camp and asked for documentation, but they are still there. We receive them in a circle, singing, and we continue here. And they hope to be able to stay until the next new moon, scheduled for next week. In the area, there are opinions of all kinds. They don't hurt anyone, says a neighbor along the way, although they point out that it gives them respect to get too close. Even from the village bar, they have accompanied some to the place. Next year, the Rainbow family will be 50 years old since the first meeting that took place in the United States. They are meetings without official leaders, without hierarchy or special spokespersons. The magic stick changes from hand to hand to give voice to whoever wants to speak. This counterculture defends the values of love, peace, nonviolence, environmentalism and non-consumerism. Although they are studying the appropriate measures to adopt and have exercised their sanctioning function if necessary, the government of La Rioja explains that the eviction requires the prior complaint of the owners of the land on which the settlement is located, which has not yet occurred and requires a judicial endorsement. Meanwhile, a hundred hippies hope to complete the lunar cycle in Alta Naharia in Rioja. (laughs)
9: Do it to everybody but do it i to it Bariba to it to it do it to everybody but to it away, do to it away, I'm a it away, it do it Bariba it do it to away, body but do
6: it away, it away, to it to to
9: it away, it to away, body but to it away To it away, it 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 do it to it, Baliba Ambassador it
6: to it Ambasa down, i a down it do
9: to it, it do it it, it but do it to it, it it it
6: it but it
9: I'm a it but it
6: El Caso, Friday, June fourth. Drugs banned in the hippie village. Police only find Viagra The hippie town that the Arcoiris family in La Rioja has organized and that has been running for 15 days out of all control continues to grow. Cars arrive from all over Europe, as the Civil Guard has learned from the analysis of the license plates of vehicles arriving in the villages near the naturist meeting. The congregants arrive by private car or bus from Logroño, and after parking on forest tracks, they make the last kilometers on foot. The Civil Guard believes there are about 200 people, including adults and minors. While waiting to be clear on how to evict the party, there is outdoor sex, people are naked, and there are minors running through the tents. The police are checking the nearby villages. Although agents have been installed in all the villages on the perimeter, access has not been closed. Officers identify and search the cars. According to police sources, officers did not find drugs in these searches. Yes, they have explained that several of the people who have been checked near the area and who have explained that they were going to the village were carrying Viagra pills. This blue medicine, Sildenafil, is a drug used to treat erectile dysfunction and pulmonary arterial hypertension. Surely the Arcoiris family does not consider this drug a drug, even if it is chemical and marked by one of of its enemies, pharmaceuticals. That the police don't find drugs is normal, too. Among the rules they have published about the hippie town of La Rioja, the organizers say it is a face-to-face meeting. They want to fly high with nature as free souls without alcohol, technology, or drugs. More rules. No doing business. If someone does not comply with the rules and decides to bring drugs or alcohol to the meeting of the Rainbow family, they will not be able to sell them. These rules also ensure that you need to share and, quote, not do business. The following recording is about the 1999 Pennsylvania Rainbow Gathering. It is entries from the Seed Camp Journal of John Tarleton. John Tarleton formerly wrote as a news and sports reporter at several daily newspapers. A hitchhiker, juggler, teacher, organizer, migrant farm worker, and human rights activist, he has traveled and written extensively as an independent web journalist. He's a graduate of the University of Missouri School of Journalism and is currently an editor of The Independent, a progressive newspaper in New York City. Seed Camp Journal, Notes from the 1999 Pennsylvania Rainbow Gathering. This narrative originally took form as a series of dispatches I sent off to the alt.gathering.rainbow newsgroup in the weeks leading up to the 1999 Pennsylvania Rainbow Gathering. I was on the land from May 30th until July 15th. It was my ninth gathering, and I was fully engaged as both an observer and a participant. These stories represent the gathering as I saw it unfolding in front of me, an unusual and fascinating experience to say the least. I don't own a laptop, and instead relied on the library in Ridgeway, before I was booted off its two otherwise unoccupied computers, and then St. Mary's down ten miles down the road. My heartfelt thanks to the librarians who made it possible for me to continue reporting. May 30, 1999, Seed Camp Journal Entry number 1. Welcome Home, Allegheny National Forest. We're on the land in Pennsylvania. I traveled up here on Sunday afternoon with Ellen and Thomas from Peace Park. When we arrived at Yellowhammer Trails, site of the Spring Council, we found only a handful of people from Jesus Camp. Spring Council had consensed earlier in the day on a site just outside Ridgeway, Pennsylvania, in the southeast corner of the Allegheny National Forest. Crouching over a map in the fading sunlight, Thomas and I wrote down the new directions and set off to track down our friends. It was well after dark when we found the Bear Creek Recreation Area outside of Ridgeway. Little Hawk was the first parking attendant to stop and greet us on the gravel road going into the gathering. He wore a brown, wide-brimmed hat and a bushy backwoodsman's beard. His eyes were confused and searching. "'Seed camp? What seed camp?' he replied in a raspy, slurred voice when we asked him for directions. Then he took his flashlight and invited us to look at the scars from the third-degree burn that put him in a coma for two months last year after he mistakenly tried to put out a fire at the Arizona gathering with a a two-and-a-half-gallon jug of gasoline. "'Yeah, I'm still alive,' he concluded. Thomas hopped out of the passenger seat of the van and gave this brooding, melancholy man a big hug. We then continued on into the gathering. "'Lots of hugs.' It wasn't long before we spotted campfires and were greeted with hugs. For the first time in almost 11 months, I heard a chorus in the distance sing out, We love you. There were roughly 20 vehicles and 75 people camped out around the perimeter of a damp horseshoe-shaped meadow that may later serve as a bus village. A giddy, excited feeling hung in the air as our small band found itself thrown together on the night before beginning an immense undertaking. Galloping drum beats started up at the large campfire at the far end of the meadow. A young man with a scar and stitch marks running the length of his torso gazed around the meadow which was bathed in the light of an almost full moon. This is his first gathering, and he was already swept up in the excitement. I don't believe it, he said. This is so amazing. This is nothing, brother, the man standing next to him broke in. Just wait till you see what's coming.
9: That tongue, monarch, over there, big man among the maggim and ungod, make among the matter that thing, make man the monger moon. That tongue, monarch, thing be man among the the moon. the moon. Go man man men man
6: May 31st, 1999, Seed Camp Journal Entry number 2, Walking the Site, Allegheny National Forest. I began the day with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a slice of watermelon, and I ended it in front of a campfire listening to people reading the poetry of Rumi, the 13th century Sufi mystic. In between, I walked all around the gathering site. Main meadow, There will be no water shortage this year. The forest is dotted with freshwater springs, and main meadow will be near the S-shaped confluence of Bear Creek and Little Otter Creek. Walking barefoot in those cool, clear streams, I could easily picture hundreds of naked hippies splashing and lounging about a month from now. There was concern expressed about rattlesnakes that may be living in some of the rockier areas of the site. However, Greenlight has promised to spend a night sleeping with the snakes to see if there is any actual danger main circle will be located in the middle of an enormous meadow. You first see the meadow at a distance while walking in on the trail above Little Otter Creek. It's a breathtaking sight, and at that moment you will understand why you journeyed so far to be here. Ancient mountain ridges rise in the distance and the meadow itself gently tilts into a bog that lies at one end. The meadow is sprinkled with shrub-like serviceberry trees and white plastic tubes that contain dead fruit trees planted by the Forest Service. Twenty of us wandered through the meadow looking for the central energy point. A silver-bearded hippie from Woodstock ground-scored a turkey feather, and a sister quickly clasped it to a stick that she had just found. The stick was planted in the ground, and we held the first of what will be many ohm circles at that spot. The feather will later be used in council meetings. Who would imagine that an object of such humble origins will soon become the focal point of so many clashing egos? Searching for Freshwater Springs Later, I went searching for more freshwater springs with Michael, one of the Pennsylvania scouts. Scouting is about searching for the proverbial needle in the haystack. It is demanding work, and Michael has been doing it every weekend since April. We followed Pole Road Creek, going away from Main Meadow. I sneezed and heard the sound echo up the long, narrow valley. There was a crashing sound, and we caught a glimpse of a white-tailed deer bounding through the woody thicket. Though this site is water rich possible springs are being tested at 36 dollars a pop for excessive concentrations of iron and sulfur michael examined the wavy lines on his topo map and the contour of the land around us miles of pvc pipe will be laid in the coming weeks kitchens will pop up wherever there is a steady water supply and it all begins when a keen-eyed scout spots a trickle of water gurgling up through the soil Right?
10: on in Calm, there's people eating. It looks like probably something medicinal. And there's a man treating somebody, looks like a cut on his head, I think. So I'm gonna try to find somebody who's in charge. We'll see if that's a possibility.
7: My legal name is Seven Song. I'm working here at the First Aid Station at the Rainbow Gathering. Okay,
10: great. And how long have you been helping out at Calm?
7: 14 years, 15 years, something like that. Mm
10: -hmm. What do you do in Babylon?
7: I don't believe in Babylon. I feel like the Rainbow Gathering is as much Babylon as any place else in the world. Uh, There's as much thievery and disrespect. So what I do in the outside world when I'm not here is I work in, I run an herb school, uh, the Northeast School of Botanical Medicine. I work in a free clinic where I'm the director of holistic medicine. But I really, I'm really, I feel like there's no division between here and there.
10: And where is that located?
7: Ithaca, New York. Tell us about CALM. What's
10: the purpose of it?
7: Uh, well, basically, it's the first aid station, and it's trying to meet as many people's medical needs as possible.
10: What does CALM stand for?
7: All right, so it stands for Center of Alternative Living Medicine. But I just want to say I've always felt it was a silly name and I would what living medicine is. So I tend to call it just the first aid station or the medical area, but that's what it stands for. I think they came up with what they wanted it to be called. It happened like 16 years ago because we used to be called M.A.S.H. and then people just didn't really like the word M.A.S.H. and so eventually they came up with a common and then I think they filled in the acronym.
10: What's the craziest thing you've ever treated here?
7: <laughs> it's funny because it's pretty obvious. One time this guy came here and um, he had pretty bad diabetes. It's not funny, I mean it's, it's funny, interesting, bizarre. And he was somebody who was very large and he didn't really ever look at the below his legs. And he said his legs felt tingly and weird and we asked him to roll his pants up, and they were maggots covering his leg on both sides. And basically, they were oh eating gosh. they were eating the necrotic flesh. I mean, he had bad diabetes, which isn't funny at all, but I've never seen no, He just rolled it up, I'm telling you, just covered in maggots. He had no idea they were there. Oh and so we had, a, we had one of the few times I flinched, because I'm pretty good with blood and pus and pain and anger. I mean, all the stuff we see there, I mean, it's part of my life. But that was weird. What did you do? Uh, we got a nurse to come in. We started just pouring isopropyl alcohol to kill uh, the maggots on his leg. I mean, it makes sense. If you know what maggots do, they eat the outer flesh. Sometimes they use used medicinally this way, but these were not medicinal These were fly maggots. So.
10: You feel like there isn't a separation between the rainbows and the outside world. Is that a unique perspective here? I don't really know. I imagine a lot of
7: people, I mean... I bring 14 students, I run a school, an herb school in Ithaca, New York, and I bring 14 students or 16 students every year, and a lot of them don't really like the Rainbow Gathering and feel it's even more Babylon than out in the world, you know, more judgmental, more hypocritical, more misogynistic, I mean, and I see a lot of that here. And so I would say, I, I think a lot of people who feel that don't come to Rainbow Gatherings, but I like service, I like treating people. I would never come here without doing first aid. Like I have no interest in really in the drum circles or being a part of anything else, but I love service. And man, we're just crazily of service here. I spend a lot of money every year, bring a lot of medicines. And also it's a great uh, place to teach students. So what I, really to sum up the question, I think that most people who feel that way just wouldn't come here. Like I, I have, I, have uh, I do work plant walks here at 10 a.m. And when people say, how do I you know it's 10 a.m.? And I'll say, well, you look at your watch. And they'll say, ah, the babylometer or something. And it's just like, it's just a simple little device. <laughs> there's nothing wrong. I mean, there's just nothing wrong with watches. I mean, if you're attached to your watch. So, I mean, that kind of stuff. Where it's just kind of reverse prejudice.
10: What are the most common things you treat?
7: That's oh, easy. Uh, foot problems because lots of people not wearing shoes. and uh, a lot of uh, Well, it, a lot of it stems from what I call slocks, which is sudden loss of common sense. So people come out here and think, well, I'll just, I wear shoes. All the time everywhere, and I'm going to come to the woods and take off my shoes, you know? Right, and then they just have no idea how to be barefoot. I mean, some people here know how to be barefoot, but we don't see them. But we see lots of foot injuries, uh, lots of diarrhea and upset stomachs, headaches. Here at 9,000 feet, we see high altitude sickness with people not knowing what it is, dehydration, a lot of belly aches, a lot of inflammation, a lot of exacerbation of existing conditions because new environments and not the foods are accommodating and used to uh, eating. Those are some of them. Lots of things get in people's eyes.
10: You're motivated by service. There's lots of places you could go to serve. Why here? Uh, That's a good question. Uh, I started coming here
7: 26 or 27 years ago when I had more of a belief system of what the Rainbow Gathering is. Most of that has petered away over the years. But there's very few places I'm I'm, a pract- I'm an herbalist, and so there's just very few places an herbalist can get up their hands on with a lot of practice. So you can go to like I don't know some kind of Woodstock 29 or something, and maybe, but very few people. And most places I go and practice, people really want to see a doctor or a nurse. And I'm always, even though I've been studying for seven years, I'm often relegated to like a second, third, or fourth position. And I'm pretty competent. I know a fair amount of diagnostics. I mean, I practice medicine, you know, and herbs are what I tend to give. I'm not a doctor. I'm not. I don't want to be a doctor. I'm an herbalist. And so here, um, lots of people are willing to see an herbalist, and want to see an herbalist, and I get to really practice my craft, and I love first aid. I'm just, in Ayurveda, I'm very Pitta, and I like, you know, blood and pus just excite me.
10: (laughs) (laughs) How do you get along with the medical staff, the doctors and nurses?
7: Oh, it just depends. You mean here? Uh, well, here, pretty good. I mean, at the past couple years, I'm probably one of the focal points of calm. So if they want to work here, it's usually people, you know, it's these self-select things, you know. So these folks pretty much want to work here, and they know that I'm going to be here. Uh, most of the, I mean, most doctors who come here never say they're doctors, right? they just, they're having fun. They're not here to practice. The doctors who come here to practice, but we don't generally, have, most of the doctors don't spend much time in calm. So I don't, there's not really much tension because they're not really there to do that.
10: You said your belief system has changed since 26 years ago, or what made your belief system change?
7: Um, A lot of things have made my beliefs, I've become much more, I guess the word would be materialistic. I really believe in the biology of life and cells and interactions. The rainbow gathering to me has a tremendous amount of judgmentalness and, um, what's the word? People, not a lot of critical thinking, a lot of kind of belief in spirituality without a lot of uh, focus and presence and service in the world. And it's not an easy question to answer. But I guess just to become more thoughtful, and for me, I'm just indulging in my belief in science, really. And so. A lot of things here have a strong spiritual values and uh, people can have spirituality, a lot of people do have spirituality, but it's not really the world that I'm from. I feel like here we are, we're present, let's do what we can without, you know, relying on other deities or other aspects. And so a little more material conservative is what I've become um, over the years. And also, I'll tell you, the drug use here makes me crazy. It's just such a drug-indulgent culture often. I mean, I'm very libertarian and think that drugs should pretty much all be legal, but uh, recreational drugs. (laughs) yeah, Many drugs need to be protected. And so, like, that has just altered me seeing really what happens when people obsess over drug use. Not the occasional use of recreational drugs to enjoy themselves. That's fantastic. It's been used throughout history. But here people come and they just get wasted, a lot of them, without really enjoying the beauty of nature, not being an active part of this community. It always seems like maybe 10 or 15% of the people hold up the vast majority. And so, seeing that made me, made me very sober when I was young. And, like, how do I be a part of that? And I guess all of that leads to a kind of, um, like, a presence on the earth, a physical terrain kind of orientation. I think that's about it. I can go off for hours.
10: Oh my gosh. I could talk to you for hours. This was very helpful. Thank you very much. you nice for
7: doing this. My name is Josh Fox,
11: and I uh, come out here as an herbalist.
10: Where are you from, Josh?
11: I live in the Asheville area, oh, North Carolina.
10: F- that's fantastic. You're a volunteer here at Calm, yeah. right? And um, tell us about the supplies here. What have we got?
4: Well,
11: a lot of what we carry is uh, a lot of herbs that folks have harvested from their areas. A bunch of herbalists come out here and bring their medicines, which could be tinctures or salves or oils or dry plant matter. Then also some other uh, herbs that we harvest here on the site.
10: Oh, are some of these that you found right here in the forest? Yeah. What are these?
11: So these are leaves of uh, yarrow, Achillea millifolium. And uh, it's just a really great antibacterial. It grows all around the country. Good for cuts, burns, stopping bleeding, open wounds.
10: How would you actually use that if someone came in bleeding? What would you do with it?
11: Well, basically do a, what we call a spit poultice. It's where you chew up some of the leaves and the saliva. The enzymes in your saliva activate, break open some of the cell walls, releasing the medicine. And we can just put that plant matter directly on the wounds.
10: That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I know that um, I've heard that, well, animals lick their wounds, right? Sure. And saliva itself is good. Someone told me one time to, that I should lick mosquito bites. Mm. Have you ever heard that?
11: I've never heard of that. <laughs> sort of people using urine on things, but, you know, there's really powerful enzymes. Digestion starts in the mouth, so just the saliva is the first step to breaking things down which could be food that we're digesting or it could be medicine to uh, help get the right constituents out.
10: What are these other herbs? This one looks like, um, I don't know, kind of scraggly hair. What is this that? This
11: is uh, usnia. It's actually a lichen that grows on dead trees.
10: Wow. That's for the bladder, I think?
11: Um, some people use it for, uh, for kind of the kidney meridian, but I tend to use it myself for, to control strep throat. It's also strongly antibacterial.
10: Have mm. you seen strep throat out here?
11: A number of cases.
10: Wow. Mm. That would be communicable, like, um, right? So it could yeah. spread.
11: For, uh, definitely for bigger cases, we'll treat as much as we can and then try to keep those folks isolated. Um, but even for, this is a great herb, even for sore throats, itchy throats, to just prevent strep from coming in. As much as treating it.
10: You've got um, several what yards here of um, all kinds of different things. I see some things in bottles, and what else have you got? This looks like um, is that ginger root?
11: Yeah, we have some whole ginger root. We have some over-the-counter medicines that folks donate, different ibuprofens and things. Ginger root for uh, to help with digestion, stomach aches, um, and also nausea. What's really here in the box? These are mainly uh, tinctures, different uh, so sort of alcohol-based medicines. We'll take plants that won't preserve on their own, and we put them in alcohols. And essentially, that will preserve it for three years or even longer, so we can bring different medicines from our parts of the world out here to use with the patients.
10: What motivates you to come and serve at the gathering?
11: It's all like one big family here, and my role, what I've been learning in the last six, seven years, has been uh, healing people with plants, so that's the best way that I can help out the family here. Some are cooks, some uh, (laughs) dig latrines for people to use, and my role is kind of to work with the plants and help heal.
10: What's the most unusual case you've had to deal with that worked with herbs? Um...
11: You know, we see a lot of people. In the course of a day I might see 40 different people and uh, I'll give them herbs from any kind of condition, whether it's a bladder infection, a simple cough, a fever, um, a staph infection, and a lot of people I don't see again. So hopefully by not seeing them, I think uh, they've done well with the herbs. But rarely do we get people coming back here telling us, oh, this worked great because when you're fine, you don't even think about your health anymore.
10: It's really fantastic. Anything else you want to let our listeners know about CALM or about the gathering?
11: Um, I've just seen, since I've been out here, I've seen such a resurgence in uh, herbal medicine. We, have, we used to have 10 or 20 people on plant walks. Now we have 50 or 60. And uh, people are realizing, you know, with the way the pharmaceutical industry is right now, that plants just can do so much for us, and there's such a future getting back into herbal medicine
10: you guys do a plant walk every morning, is that right?
11: There's one every morning and usually a couple others, either from this camp or from another. Mushroom walks as well and, yeah, assorted workshops of all kind out here at Rainbow.
10: Is there one tomorrow morning or not because of the silence?
11: Not tomorrow. The next day after they'll continue and, yeah, some of them are more spiritual, some of them are more scientific. Depends who's leading the walk.
10: You've been very kind. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming
11: out here and exploring.
10: Thanks. Thank you. Teriani Riggs. Great. So, Teriani, how many gatherings have you been to?
5: I've been to, this is my 16th national and my 18th year of gathering.